All right, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. If you've been here for the last several weeks, you know that we have been covering the story of the woman at the well. And it's such a lengthy story, and there's so many truths that are in that story, there's just no way to cover it in one week and do it any justice. Today, we're going to be dealing with the woman at the well and dealing with her changed life. What took place with her after she met the Lord and partook of this water of life? And we're going to read a few verses in Scripture. It's a lengthy reading. You can go ahead and remain seated, but please give God's Word your undivided attention this morning. John chapter 4, verse 27. The Bible says, And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith unto or saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors." And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world. This was the power of that changed life that took place because Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Let's ask for God's blessing on the preaching of His Word. Father in heaven, we come into Your presence this morning. And Lord, as we preach Your Word this morning, we need Your help. We ask, Lord, that You would come into the service, that You would work on the hearts of those that are here. And if there is anyone here today who is lost, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they receive you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, for those of us who are saved, I pray that we would receive the message from this as well. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so as we get into this passage of Scripture, it is definitely a wonderful passage in the Bible where we have found that Christ, being wearied on his journey, came to a well. And he had water to drink himself. And the reason that he had come through Samaria, it is quite clear, was because there was a woman there who needed his help, who had never received the message of the truth. We looked at this woman in the last couple weeks. This woman had been married five times. Some of you have been married once, and that's plenty enough for you. If you're in that boat, say amen, ladies. 
<laughs> My wife tells me one man is good enough for me. Hey, listen, it's okay. You can smile when you come to church. Okay? Five husbands is a lot of men to deal with. Certainly not the way God intended. But you know that when someone gets in a relationship with someone, certain rules or standards of order are established. And for her to be leaving one relationship and going to another to the point where now she's had five men that have told her, you're not good enough for me. Five men that couldn't forgive her. Five men that wouldn't forgive her. And you know that in Bible times, women were very devalued. They were thrown out. Now, that, this doesn't mean that she had a lot of good qualities. I don't know all that it means about her. But what I do know is that she's now given up on marriage. And she's now, according to the scripture, living together with someone. And she's not married to him. Jesus came to talk to her. Jesus thought she was worth his time and his effort. I'm thankful that the Lord loves sinners. Your life today as you've come into the Metropolitan Baptist Church may be in a big mess. Welcome to Metropolitan Baptist Church. There are people here who have problems in their lives too. And some of us, when we came to the Lord, our lives were not all that they should have been. But I thank the Lord that even though she was living a sinful lifestyle, at the time when Christ met her, her life changed and it changed drastically. Jesus Christ, when he offered her the water of life, that if she took of that water, she would never thirst again. He was offering himself. Jesus Christ was that living water. In John 4, in verse number 26, we see how that Jesus identified himself to her as the Messiah. He said, I am the sin bearer. I am the anointed one. I am the Messiah. This was who Jesus was. Evidently, she believed that because there were some changes that took place in her life. Now, before we consider the message of the woman, it's important that we see the context of the scriptures and don't just overlook that there were messages from Christ here, Christ to the disciples. There was a message from Christ to the woman. And then you have the message from the woman to her townspeople. There are, there are, there, as we consider these aspects, we need to see how the Lord would work these into our lives. First of all, Christ's message to the woman was that he said, I that speak unto thee am he. I am the Messiah. But next we see Christ's message to the disciples. Now let's look at what the disciples thought when they came upon this situation. We look back after we've read the scripture. We look back and we see everything that took place and what we might be able to learn from this. But according to verse number 27, the Bible says, when Christ was talking to this woman, which I personally believe is a glory, a glorious situation, thank God that the Lord Jesus thought this woman was worth his time and his effort, and his speech, and his, and, and, and his investment. The Lord wanted to invest in this woman. When the disciples came in verse 27, what was their attitude? And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Read on. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or, if you see the, the next question is, why talkest thou with her? The, the, the word marveled here in verse 27 means to wonder, to be astonished. 
They came back, you know, they had gone away into the city to buy meat. And when they happened upon the well and see Jesus talking to this woman, they were astonished. But nobody had the guts to say anything about it. You know, sometimes when Christ comes on the scene, things are created inside the hearts of people. Even during a preaching message, your thoughts can sometimes be exposed in your own heart. It happens. This is how the Lord works on the hearts of people. The disciples were astonished because they were no doubt putting themselves in the position of Christ and they wouldn't have been talking to her. They could never picture themselves talking to the Samaritan woman. The Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. We read that earlier in the passage. This woman's perspective of the Jews was, why are you talking to me? No Jewish man had ever had anything to say to her. But Jesus did. Christ dealing with the woman created confusion in their minds. And verse 27 is one that we should be considered. Let me ask you this question. Does Christ dealing with sinners whom you reject bother you? Does it bother you that someone could come in living a sinful lifestyle? A lifestyle that you don't personally live and hear the message of Christ? It bothered the disciples so much so that they were so uncomfortable they didn't ask Christ, why are you talking with her? And they didn't ask the woman anything. They just stayed silent. I want to say this. Christ's ways are above our ways. Don't sit in judgment of Christ. You may have something to learn. There are people in this room here today who have something to learn about life. If you're someone that needs to learn something about life, and I were to ask that question and you couldn't hold your hand up, there's probably something wrong <laughs> in your heart with the issue of pride. You know, the disciples didn't ask what was going on. They didn't ask the woman, what are you seeking? They didn't ask Christ, what are you doing talking with her? Many people see the works of Christ as in other passages and they sit in judgment of Christ. The Pharisees and the religious crowd, they had a major dose of this. Now today we're dealing with many people on Sunday morning who come to church all the time. I want to tell you, you need to beware, religious person, of sitting in judgment of Christ. The disciples were not exempt of this kind of thinking. They were focused on the temporal, just as the woman was. What did the woman, she said, where's this water? Give me the drink so I don't have to come down here to draw anymore. Well, what were the disciples focused on? Verse 31, they thought Jesus' major problem in this situation was what my wife thought the last time I lost my temper during an audit. <laughs> here, eat this sandwich. <laughs> Master, eat! Verse 31, what are they focused on? They think Christ needs to eat. That's what's going on here. Now, let me tell you, this morning I didn't have anything to eat, and I'm supposed to be eating with the laugh out loud class afterwards. Is that what that stands for? No, I, I'm eating with the LOLs after service. I, I'm looking forward to this. These, this, this class is made up, I, I suppose, uh, of the widows in our church. And I'm looking forward to that. You know, those of you who are widows, God has a special place in his heart for you. And you have, thus you have a special place in my heart. And so they thought Christ's major issue was that he needed to eat. They thought his greatest need was physical. And Christ again, speaking of the spiritual, said to them in verse number 34, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Also, he said in verse 32, I've got meat to eat that you don't even know anything about. 
I've got meat to eat that ye know not of. His problem wasn't that he needed food. He was doing exactly what the Lord said he was supposed to do. They were confused by this, this statement. Notice in verse number 33. Man, these guys are real confused. They come, to the, they come to the scene. What's he doing talking with her? Okay, Christ, now you've got to eat. He said, I've got meat to eat that you know not one. And then they're looking at each other go, who brought him food? We just get, went to town and, and went to go and get him food. Who's brought him something to eat? These guys, these guys are out there. But then we see the message of Christ. In spite of Christ's physical hunger and weariness, you do find him weary in this passage. And no doubt they were going to buy food because he was physically hungry. Christ's main purpose on earth was to seek sinners. That's what he said. I have meat to eat that you know not of. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now, and it wasn't eaten. The Bible says in verse 34, this was Christ's meat. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. The disciples didn't understand that. His work was to deal with this woman. And he was doing that work. That's why he came to this world. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If you're not saved, Jesus came here to save you. And so Christ wouldn't have been, his work wouldn't have been completed if this woman was ignored. If Christ dealt with things the way the disciples thought, this woman would have never been saved. But that's not the way Christ operates. Christ went agricultural on them at that point. (laughs) They all would have understood this because they lived in agricultural time. Now the Bible says here in verse number 35, this was Christ's message to his disciples. They come on the scene, they see Christ talking to a woman, a woman they would never have talked to. The woman was a sinful woman. The woman had been married five times, now living together. Christ has something to say to his disciples now. This is what he had to say to them. Verse number 35, Say not ye... There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Very interesting statement, especially for those who know anything about agriculture. Today in our services, we have an evangelist named Wayne Hudson. If you young people ever want to learn about a harvest, you could talk to Brother Wayne because he grew up in Texas working in the fields. And he can tell you something about agriculture because he lived there. Years ago, I had a missionary come to the church that I was pastoring, and he was covering this passage of Scripture. And he was talking about working with his grandmother, who was born in the 1800s, about when to harvest wheat. As he was breaking this down, like, what did Christ mean when he said that the field is white, already to harvest? We sing a song as an American person, America the Beautiful. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. Grain's not supposed to be white. It wasn't white waves of grain. It's amber waves of grain. This this particular preacher was talking about how you know when wheat is ready to harvest when it starts to, to bow and to bend over when it is a when it is a golden 
He said they would grab that wheat and they would rub the chaff off in their hand and let it blow away and they'd put the grain in between their teeth. And his grandmother, who lived back in the 1800s, says, you know when the grain is ready to harvest, when you put the grain in between your teeth and it cracks. Otherwise, it's not ready to harvest. So what did Christ mean when he said that the fields were already white? White wheat is here now. Some of you young people may not understand this, but in our generation... There have been companies like Monsanto and others who kind of dealt with the genetics of the wheat. Older preachers who grew up in North Dakota who have now gone on to be with the Lord was always talking to me about how the wheat in our day has been degenerated. It's terrible. It's, it's not even real wheat anymore because they played with the genetics of it. And they turned that into white wheat in the 1960s and 70s. But back in Bible times, there wasn't anything like white wheat. It was golden, but it would turn white if it was late to be harvested. You see, when, an, when someone plants a field, someone's got to sow into that field, and they sow the seed into the ground. Now, Jesus said in this passage of Scripture, and if you do a little study on wheat, you'll find that there's one particular kind of wheat that harvests within four months. It takes four months to harvest it. That means you plant it one month, and you wait four months for it to harvest. This was no doubt this time when he met the woman, the time of planting. This was the time to put the seed in the ground. And he was saying, say not ye that the field will be ready to harvest in four months. They would have understood what that meant because this wasn't the time of harvest. Jesus was trying to tell them to turn their eyes from the physical and put it on the spiritual. Someone was ready to harvest then and the, and the field was white. Now in our day, we have people that understand how to put things under a microscope to, detel to, to detect its value and its worth. When these farmers, you know, they don't plant that big field in order so they can just lose their crops because in the harvest time they just let the rain come down and the harvest rain and wash all the mineral content out of their grain. As a matter of fact, when they try to take it to these harvest places, they'll do tests on them to determine how valuable that grain is, and then they'll give them a price on their grain that's equal to, basically, what their crop is worth. Farmers don't make their money by being lazy. They get out to the field when it's ready to be harvested. They can't wait a second. They can't wait a minute, because if that rain starts coming down, it can ruin their crop. It could ruin all the work that they've done. And the Lord said, don't say that in four months we'll harvest this. Lift up your eyes to the fields. Now when that rain comes down on that wheat, it'll turn it white. And if it's done turned white, that mineral content has been degraded. So when Jesus was saying, lift up your, your eyes to the fields, it's white already. He said, you guys are already too late. You're already too late to pull this one out of the field. And who's he talking about spiritually? This woman. This woman had already been used and abused by this world. And he said, if you'd have had your eyes up already, you already would have had her. Maybe the problem was these Jews who didn't have their eyes on sinners, who thought they were better than the Samaritans. Samaritans would never be saved in their eyes. Hey, sometimes we as God's people have the same attitudes and they're, they're, they're exposed during times of preaching. I wonder, is there somebody here that you've devalued, that you think is beyond the help of the Lord, the gospel hits everybody, folks. God wants to save everyone. And so when we deal with this whole being, you know, uh, white already to harvest, 
It's talking about people who've been pulled out of the field too late. He was telling the disciples, lift up your eyes. There are people who are ready to be saved, just like this woman. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China in the late 1800s. He wrote a 184-page book called China's Millions. In that book, he said these words. After he had spoken one day in the city of Nigpo, one of the listening crowd said, I have long sought for the truth. I and my father before me. I have found no rest in Confucianism, Buddhism, or Taoism, but I do find rest in what I have heard here. Henceforth, I believe in Jesus. Afterwards, he asked Mr. Taylor how long the glad tidings had been known in England. When he was told some hundreds of years, he looked amazed. He said, what? Is it possible, and yet you have only now come to preach to us? My father sought for the truth for more than 20 years and died without finding it. Why did you not come sooner? I suppose the same truth was true in Christ's day. The field was already white to harvest. Even if the field is white, it's still worth our consideration. Christian friend, we need to get busy about doing God's work. Have you handed out any Bible tracts this week? If not, why not? you invited a neighbor to come with you to church? If not, why not? Have you given your testimony to anyone this week? Folks, the field is already white to harvest. And now we see not only the message of Christ to his disciples, but we see the message that this woman took. Now, if you turn your attention back in John chapter number 4, when the disciples came upon the scene and, talk, and saw Jesus talking to this woman, you find the woman leaving her water pot, and she went her way into the city. She went very urgently. Her message was urgent. Her water pot was really why she left her house that morning. She was on her way to go and get water from this well at midday. She never would have left her home without that. Yesterday, my wife and I were leaving to go out to eat. And I, I forgot my phone, or so I thought. And I ran back in the house. Sometimes I forget things. You ever forgot something? You say, well, I can't leave without that. I can't leave without my phone. I can't leave without my wallet. I've now put one of those air tags on my wallet because I lose my wallet. And I want to know exactly where it is, okay? So I've got a wallet that has an air tag. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm saying because you, like me, don't put your wallet in the same place when you come in. Very important to live an ordered lifestyle. You need an air tag. That was a joke, and you guys don't get it. Some people are like, What's air tags? I talk about Bluetooth, and there's people rubbing their. Let's go. She left her water pot, which was the whole reason she had left her house. Her purpose was to get other people the message of Christ and to introduce them to Christ. And notice what her message was when she went back to town where she came from. She said, come and see, in verse number 29, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. He told me everything about me. You know, Christ knows everything about you. He knows your attitudes. He knows your pedigree. He knows where you've come from. He knows all the things going on in your life right now. He knows your burdens. He knows your heartaches and your heartbreaks. Christ knows all about it, and he loves you. And he wanted to spend time with you just like he spends time with this woman, this woman at the well. 
And she goes into her town and she carries this urgent message. And what do we see people doing? They start coming out to meet Christ. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified... He told me all things that he ever did. It wasn't a preacher that God used to get to the Samaritans. It wasn't a philosopher. It wasn't a president, a president or a dignitary. It wasn't a lawyer. It wasn't somebody who was valued very highly in this life. It was a sinful woman who gave a testimony of something Jesus did in her life. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time God used you just like he used that woman? To bring someone else to say, hey, come and see. You don't need to see about the new pastor at Metropolitan. You don't need to see about all the music and the things that are going on at church. They need to come and see about Jesus. Many times Jesus presents himself to people during a preaching service. Let God use your testimony to bring other people with you. People need to hear the message of the truth. Many people are not hearing a message of the truth today. Many churches have preachers up there with silver tongues. And they won't preach the truth. They won't talk about salvation. They'll never use the term sin. They want to fan the goodness inside of people. I want to tell you the problem with people is, is that they have sin and it's never been dealt with at Calvary. People need to be introduced to Christ and the gospel has to be preached the way it's supposed to, right from the scripture. Listen, Jesus had an effect upon this woman and because he did, this woman had an effect upon other people. Who did God use in this Samaritan village? He used this woman. And the Bible said that many of these Samaritans, they believed on him for the saying of the woman. Because of her testimony, they got saved. I had someone here recently, and they were talking to me about my dad. or It was about my dad's birthday a couple of weeks ago. And there were people who were commenting as I was saying it publicly to my dad, happy birthday. One of the people who came on there and talked to my dad was somebody that my dad witnessed to. And one to the Lord. And all that dad's children, as far as I know, are in church today. One of his kids is an assistant pastor up in Michigan somewhere. You know where it started? Somebody won my dad to the Lord. And you know what happened then? My dad won somebody else to the Lord. And now that man's whole family has been won to the Lord. And that that man's a youth pastor up there today. And he's witnessing to people. And they're seeing teens get saved. and, And that's the way God's work goes on, folks. Let God use your life. Somebody's there in your life who needs to be saved. Starts with your family. Parents, don't you go out and do eternity and never have told your children when Jesus saved you. You hear my testimony because I'm a preacher. I get to say it whenever I'm up here preaching. You need to let your kids know when and how you got saved. Let them know. Don't let them uh, doubt about where's mom and dad after you go on to glory. You know, the first way to influence somebody else is your own testimony. How did God save you? And if you're having trouble, well, when did God save me? I'm not sure when God saved me. Why don't you settle that this morning? When we have the invitation, we invite you to come forward. Somebody may need to get saved today. And if that's you, if you're like the Samaritan woman, know this. Jesus loves you and cares about you. But there be, could be some disciples in here today. And you haven't been as active as you should be about witnessing and bringing people with you. I want to invite you to get back involved because, hey, the fields are white to harvest. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. As we prepare for this verse of invitation, you know, those who came out to meet Jesus, they said, now we're believing for ourselves. We've heard him speak. Some people got saved because of the woman's testimony. Other people got saved because they heard from Jesus himself. 
I want to ask you a question. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. That means if I look up and see your eyeballs, something's wrong. I want to ask you and you alone a question. Are you saved? Have you ever been saved by the grace of God? If you in your heart could say, Pastor, I'm not saved, I want to tell you, I am your friend, and I will only tell you of the truth. God wants to save you. And may God work in your heart today to come. As the piano begins to play, if God has worked in your heart to get saved, I'm asking you to come. Say, I'm lost. You can be saved today. There could be a Christian today and you can say, you know what, this message has worked on me. As Brother John sings the first verse of this song, if you're a believer, if you're lost, if you're dealing with something in your life and you need to pour it out before the Lord, the altar is here so that you could use that to pray. Won't you come? Take up thy cross. God's saying something to you today, friend. Won't you come? good to visit the altar if you've got the ability. Come on. Let God have his way in your heart. Wherever That's what the altar is for. As we sing.
continues to play. If God has worked in your life today, we want to invite you to respond on this verse. There could be somebody in the service today who you've never been baptized. You've been saved, but you've never followed the Lord in scriptural baptism. You've come to a good church. And if you've been saved and never baptized, we want to invite you to be baptized. We also want to invite you, if you want to join with our church, you know, there could be somebody there today and you're looking for a church home and you want to join the church. If you need information about that and you want to do that this morning, we invite you to come on this verse. And there could be somebody else here this morning who needs to make something right with somebody in the next pew. Maybe your wife, maybe a family member, another church member. Whatever God's put on your heart to do, be obedient and you'll be the better for it as we sing this number. Take up thy cross and follow me. pastor of Metropolitan Baptist Church, what a privilege it is to see the Lord working in our services. And for those who had the courage to come forward today and to pray, you should never, ever feel the least bit like we're in a hurry to go and get to lunch because you've come to the Lord's house to pray. Jesus said that my house should be called the house of prayer. People have spiritual problems. They have needs. And uh, we're thankful for those who come. Now, You may be one that has been struggling if the Lord's worked in your heart during services to come to the altar. I want to try to take away some of that fear. That's what the altar's for. That's why we come to church. If you go many weeks without the Lord ever knocking on your heart's door, without ever just softening your heart to the preaching, to pray, to make a decision for Christ, maybe your heart has been hardened. Maybe you need to have that soft heart again. You know, coming to the altar when the Lord works on you is actually a sign that you're spiritually sensitive to that. You say, well, I can pray right here in my pew. That is true. You may uh, be able to pray, and I've done that many times, prayed in my pew. But I've often found a sweet fellowship with Christ when I've come down to the altar. And I also want to encourage you, if you need help as the pastor of Metropolitan Baptist Church, that's what we're here for. We are here to help you with your spiritual needs. And it's hard to help if I don't know what's going on. I can't help if you don't let me know how to pray or how to solve a problem. Please let me uh, try to help you. Or at least let me know how to pray for you. I promise that uh, that would be a good thing for you. And uh, I pray that 
the Lord's really working in your life as he is in these other lives. Thank you for coming this morning. Please don't forget that uh, on Sunday nights, we meet at 6 o'clock. We normally have a great service on Sunday nights, and um, it's a service just like this. Normally, we sing a few songs, and then we preach a sermon, and uh, it's a challenge to our church. And so if you want to be back tonight at 6 o'clock, if you're able, please be back. We're very thankful for you being here today. I'm going to call on Brother Wayne Hudson to dismiss the service in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for the blessing of being here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the message that we just heard. God, I pray you touch our hearts. Help us to get out of our pride. Humble ourselves before the Lord. See sinners who are just like us. People who need the Lord. People who are struggling with the battles of this world. God, help us to humble our hearts, heal ourselves, and reach out to those that are lost around us.